You are listening to a sermon from Mission Point St. John. We hope this message encourages a deeper connection between you and Jesus, our Savior. in a series and uh, tonight we're doing lesson four on you are what you eat and uh, the whole idea behind the series is what we think about what we talk about what we intake into our lives is actually what comes out it comes out in our actions it comes out in our demeanor it comes out in our attitude comes out in in our spirit and uh, just in how we live for God and it's important obviously uh, to uh, allow our lives to be everything God wants us to be. Amen. Is that how you are tonight? I just want to be everything God wants me to be. Amen. Everything he wants me to be. So we're picking up with lesson four on you are what you eat. We'll be starting with uh, Ephesians chapter three. And, um, and Ephesians chapter three is um, it's, it's focusing a little bit on... on um, the body, uh, of course, the church. You cannot love Christ without loving the body. It's impossible. I can't say I love the Lord and not love my brothers and sisters. It just doesn't work. Um, because we're made up of a body. Uh, and the Bible gives us clear description that Christ is the head and uh, the church is the body. And so I can't um, I can't be part of the body and not love the body. And I can't say I love Christ and not love the body. Um, so that would be like saying you love your head, but you don't love the rest. It's impossible. Um, so this is kind of, um, you are what you eat. I'll, I'll start um, from John 17 and verse 21. That they all may be one as thou, Father, art in me and I in thee that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. And uh, that's the prayer of the Lord. The prayer of the Lord is that we would obviously be unified and be um, in love with the church, in love with the body of Christ. Um, when it comes to being apostolic, and um, we have to remember oneness is more than just a doctrine about the Godhead, as important as that is, and obviously we believe in one God, um, but oneness is more than a, just a doctrine about the Godhead. It's also oneness in how we, we support and treat each other. And so we're not made up of all little fractions. Um, no, there's one body. There's one body. And there's one church. And so... Uh, sometimes we get caught up in, you know, um, thinking that we're the only congregation or whatever. Uh, that's, that's not accurate. There's one church. We get to be part of the church and the church of the living God who obviously has to follow the word of God. And so to be part of the church, you have to follow the word of God. That is the guideline. That's the roadmap. And so I don't get to decide who gets to be part of the church and who doesn't. Uh, this word of God 
is everything we need uh, to become part of the body, the, the, the church. And so Paul, Paul's starting out, and he says, For this cause, I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, for you Gentiles. Paul had a, he had a Jewish pedigree, um, but he became a prisoner on, on behalf of the Gentiles. Uh, he, wouldn't, um, he wouldn't even have spoken beforehand to some of these people that were holding him accountable. But Paul says, listen, I've become a prisoner, but it's for a good reason. He said, uh, for this cause, I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ. Paul said, if I'm going to be a prisoner, I'm going to make sure it's for a good reason. That is for the cause. It's for, uh, for the Lord's sake. And so that's how he starts. And he says, if you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which is given me to you word, uh, if you heard. So Paul's suggesting that uh, obviously there are some people that may not even know who he is or have never met him. Uh, and that would have been the case. The letters, cor- course, uh, that Paul's writing would have, uh, would have likely ta- taken a, a circular um, going around to different areas and locations and churches. I mean, he's writing to the church at Ephesus, but um, pretty confident that his letter did not only go there. And so he, he speaks about, he uses the word dispensation or uh, what we would think as administration. And, and the word actually comes from the same word that we have for economy. Uh, it's, it's, um, it's rendered here that Paul was thinking about the stewardship of each house. And he's saying, he said, if you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which is given me to you, uh, Paul said, maybe you haven't heard of me, but maybe you've heard uh, of the same grace that worked in my life that's worked in different homes uh, of you as individuals. And he says that has become your economy of your house. That has become what has changed your lifestyle. That's what has, has changed your future, your outcome, your, your purpose in life, all kinds of things. And he uses the word dispensation or basically a period of time or administration. And so Paul goes on to say uh, how that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery, as I wrote uh, afore in few words, whereby when ye read, ye may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. Uh, Paul's saying that the church is the mystery. Now, the carnal mind uh, cannot understand everything about the church. And unbelievers, for example, they, they sometimes think that um, the Scripture or what the church does is ridiculous. I mean, I can't believe that you guys go to church so much. I can't believe that you would pay a tithe to the church. And I can't believe that, I mean, you, unbelievers have this mentality because they cannot fathom how incredible the church is. And, and Paul's talking about, and he says the church is a mystery to the carnal mind. It's a mystery to even an unbeliever. But to the believer, the church becomes everything. Not the building, but what we're part of. I don't know about you, but I'm living my life uh, for God because I'm part of the church. 
Not for the blessing, and I'm thankful for the blessing. Not to save money on cigarettes. <laughs> no, I, I, I'm just, I'm part of the church. The church is destined to spend eternity with the Lord. I'm thankful that you're part of it, but I'm going to be with him for eternity. I don't even need to understand everything about it. I just want to be prepared that when the Lord comes, I'm going. Amen. And if he takes me beforehand, I'm going as well. Paul writes to the Corinthian church in 1 Corinthians 2 and 14. He tries to explain it, but the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. I mean, they don't make sense. Neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. To an unbeliever, when you start talking about the second coming or the rapture of the church, doesn't make any sense. To an unbeliever, when you talk about being filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost, it doesn't make any sense. To someone who is a believer, the power of his spirit and the second coming of Jesus Christ are part of the very foundation of what we believe and stand for. So uh, understanding, Paul, uh, Paul saying, listen, to the natural man, it seems like foolishness. But to the spiritual man, I mean, it brings life. It brings hope. It brings something into your spirit that it's well beyond this world. Yeah. Amen. No scripture. Amen, is to the, to the believer, no Scripture is foolishness. See, in Scripture, uh, a mystery is not something hidden, but rather something that is revealed. So the Lord's not trying to hide things. He's wanting someone who believes in Him, and that's why it's so amazing uh, that you can read Scripture after the Scripture multiple times in a row and not receive everything from it, but yet... All of a sudden, God reveals from that scripture something powerful in your life. And, and it's kind of like, I, I can't believe I didn't see that before. That's to the believer, the person who's looking for God. It's uh, God reveals uh, himself. And so uh, Paul, Paul starts out and he, and he says, listen, I, I've had a lot of great things happen in my life, but we're part of something to the believer that is hard to fully understand to those who don't believe. Yeah. That's why you have people uh, who don't believe that become believers and all of a sudden lights go on about how awesome and incredible the church is. Not because it's made up of perfect people, but because you get to be part of the family of God. Serving a loving Savior who's preparing a place for you to spend eternity with Him. Amen. Um, verse 5, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men, as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. Um, Paul's saying we are a privileged generation because there's a lot of things that the church has knowledge of today and understands that the prophets of old didn't. They're writing... Uh, the Scripture. They're part of writing the Scripture. The New Testament wasn't written. 
They're prophesying, actually, what's going to happen. The New Testament be be becomes a fulfillment of the shadow of the Old Testament. You and I are privileged to live in the generation of the church age. We're privileged. We're a privileged people. For you and I to experience salvation the way we can and have, we're, we're a privileged people. Okay, this, uh, just having the Word of God. I mean, there wasn't Bibles. They had it on, uh, on scrolls and, and one. And, and, I mean, you can imagine, no one, no one had Scriptures in their homes to, to read or uh, they're trying to, to, to memorize Scripture from going to the temple, and they come home, and they write it on the doorposts of their house so their kids can see it every day. I mean, some of our homes have got multiple, multiple Bibles. We're a privileged people. We're a very privileged people. And Paul says, listen, this, this was um, not the way it was before the generation of the church. I'm thankful. I'm thankful to be part of the church. Uh, that the Gentiles, in verse 6, should be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel. He goes a little farther and says how privileged we are to be part of the group. <laughs> I mean, Old Testament, this was, this was not... We weren't part of the group. There was a lot of strict guidelines to become part of the group. New Testament, Paul's writing and says, listen, God opened this up to the Gentile nation, which you and I are part of. We're a privileged people to be able to be part of the church of Jesus Christ. I'm thankful, and the Bible tells us you should pray for the Jewish nation, and you should pray for the Jewish people. And uh, we should do that on a regular basis. And uh, the Bible tells us to do that. But Paul's telling us right here, listen, us Gentiles, we're, we're a privileged group of people to have the opportunity to be part of the church. It has been opened. The door has swung wide open. And anyone who desires to be part of the church can be. I'm thankful for that. Amen. And then he goes on to verse 7, and he starts talking about his own conversion, whereof I was made a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given unto me by the effectual working of his power. And, and Paul starts to now turn a little bit to not only are, are we privileged uh, as Gentiles to be part, but he's going to talk about uh, how bad of a person he was, and he still gets to be part. <laughs> so Paul's, Paul's kind of saying, listen, God's, God's broken down all the protocols here, and uh, he, he starts to talk about his miraculous conversion. Just think about what Paul was doing. I mean, Paul, as Saul, was going about imprisoning people who were trying to serve God and be part of the family of God. Imprisoning people, killing people, persecuting people. I mean, causing a disruption everywhere he went. 
No one wanted Saul, Paul, to come into their service. It was bad news. I mean, you, you could be killed or end up in prison, and, and on his journey on the road to Damascus, that's exactly what he was going to do again. And so Paul says, listen, I was made a minister according to that same gift of grace, and it was the working of his mighty power. I mean, we read about it, but you can imagine him being struck down by a bright light, blinded, prayed, by, uh, prayed for by Ananias, receives a sight three days later. I mean, a conversion that, that took Paul onto multiple, multiple missionary journeys to write uh, half of the New Testament. This is Paul saying, listen, God, God will allow anyone into this body who wants to be. Yeah. And so, uh, verse 8, unto me, who am less than the least of all saints. Paul says, I'm, I'm the worst of the worst. I'm the least of all saints. He said, is this grace given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. Um, Paul writes to the Corinthian church, and he says it this way. For I am the least of the apostles that am not meet to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Timothy 1 and 15, he says, this is a faithful saying. Worthy of all acceptation that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. It's a great thing to be chief of, isn't it? The chief sinner. What Paul's saying, if God would save a murderer of Christians, he would save anybody. That's what Paul's saying. And he's saying, listen, this this wonderful body and church that we're made up of, it's not just for those who have been spit-shined. No, it's not for people who have a certain pedigree and born in a certain culture and born in a certain home and live for God for a certain amount of years. No, no, Paul's saying, listen, I'm the worst of the worst, and God let me in. It's his grace that allowed me to be part of this wonderful church just like it is the Gentiles. That's what Paul's saying. Listen, everybody has an opportunity to be part of the church. Yeah. Amen. I thank God for that. Aren't you thankful for that? Amen. He, he says in this verse that it's unsearchable, inexhaustible. You can't, you can't even figure it out. People that our society holds accountable, consequences for crime, and rightfully so, can still be part of the body of Christ. Listen, Brother Fudge baptized over 500 people in prison. 500. <laughs> okay. People who, people who um, maybe have had things happen in their lives that they're not proud of, things happen in their lives that maybe caused a lot of harm to others, it's inexhaustible, it's unexplainable, it's unsearchable, it's hard to fathom. But the God that we serve says anyone's allowed into the body Amen. Anyone's allowed into the body. Oh, thank the Lord for forgiveness of sin. Thank the Lord for washing away our sin in, in baptism. Thank the Lord for the infilling of his spirit. 
It's inexhaustible. It's unsearchable. It's way beyond my imagination and comprehension of what God can do in a life that's been totally messed up. Amen. Thank God for it. Amen. And to make all men, verse 9, see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the world hath been hid in God, who created all things by Jesus Christ. And uh, again, Paul brings up this phrase, fellowship of the mystery, or it's hid in God. Um, the revelation, really, of what he's talking about, the revelation of the church was seen through the Old Testament. And that's why it doesn't matter where you go in the Bible, uh, Jesus Christ is going to shine through because right from the beginning of the Bible, his desire has always been uh, for his church to be triumphant, you to be part of it. He has been always working with people. His mercy has always been extending. Yes, there's lots of ups and downs in there, but the Bible uh, says Everything was created by Jesus Christ, and, and, and the same God who, who brought a world out of nothing can bring a church out of nothing. And we look at some of our lives, and we look back and say, I don't know how it is that God's got me where I am today. I can tell you, he brought you into the church. You and I didn't all of a sudden get good. We got God. And God changed our lives. <laughs> and God transformed our future. And God gave us a, a hope and, 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 uh, and a promise. Amen. Thank God for it. John 1 and 3 says, all things were made by him. And without him was not anything made that was made. And God's, he's building his church. He told Peter, I'm going to build the church. I'm the rock that it's built on, and the gates of hell are not going to be able to hold back the church. We don't have to worry and, and be concerned about whether the church is going to survive. The church is going to survive. We just got to make sure we stay in it. You don't have to worry about the church. The church is being built up by God. The church is going to survive. The only thing that matters, I want to make sure I'm in it. <laughs> God, help me to stay part of the church. Amen. Uh, verse 10. I know it's supposed to be Wednesday night. Get too excited. To the intent that now unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church the manif manifest wisdom of God. Uh, he says to the intent that now, now, this is a key, the key word, what was hidden before is revealed now. Revealed now. God has always uh, reveals himself, his principles and his purposes prog progressively in stages. You, you and I couldn't take it all at once. <laughs> if God revealed everything about himself, it would, we wouldn't be able to handle it. That's why God waited unto now in your life. With God, timing is everything. Uh, catch, uh, uh, you can see, you, you and I get segments of, of, of what God wants us to understand and have revealed to us. And so it's proceeding. It's a, it's a progressiveness in our lives. God keeps, God keeps informing, revealing, showing, helping, feeding, 
nurturing. He's, it's a continual process. We don't get to a place in God where we've arrived and that's it. No, God, God is, con- you, can, you can grow in God until you take your last breath. Doesn't matter how old we are, we can be memorizing scripture and understand scripture and, and have a, a greater and closer walk with God uh, than we ever had before. Ever. It's a continual process. Matthew 4 and 4. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth. That means continually out of the mouth of God. It's proceeding out of the mouth of God. I can go to his word, his scripture every day and learn something out of his word. Thank God. Hallelujah. That is a continual process of me growing in the church. Amen. Isaiah 55, 11, So shall my word be that goeth. That's a continually uh, going forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I send it. It's a continual process of God growing his church, his church becoming mature. He wants you and I to grow in him, to mature in him. When, when God says something, his word continues to work in our lives. It's already written. It's already been stated. It's already been said. It's already been... Uh, when he said, let there be light, there's light. There's no way that there's going to be light. <laughs> Unless God decides to change it, that's the way it's going to be. His word is continually working in our lives. The same, the same way when he says he's going to deliver you or he's going to, to en- encourage you or he's going to help you. Those are processes. You can, you can be assured. If God said it, it's going to happen. And so when his word is going forth continually and his word is proceeding forth continually... This is not something all of a sudden he's writing or making up. It's already been stated. What does that mean? Well, verse 11, according to the eternal purpose, which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is, when it speaks of an eternal purpose, this has already been uh, destined. If If God destined to deliver you from something, you don't have to worry about it. It's already in his eternal purpose. What happens to you and I as a child of God happens in time. And what takes place sometimes, sometimes we, we get all anxious about things not happening fast enough or things not changing in people's lives fast enough. And listen, the destiny of God's eternal purpose in yours and my life I mean, you just, you just have to live to, for God to the best of your ability, stay part of the church, and, and stay, uh, stay uh, underneath him, the head, and listen, everything's going to be okay. You don't, have to, you don't have to worry about whether it's going to fall apart. It's going to be okay. <laughs> the only thing that matters is if I stay attached. All that matters. The church is going to be triumphant. The church has already got an eternal purpose. It's already predestined in eternity. God didn't just redeem you in time, but he redeemed you in eternity. His plan is for you to spend eternity with him. 
you're going to have to make a decision not to. <laughs> you have to make a decision to get out of it. He, he's, never, he's not trying to get you out. When he brought you into the church, I mean, you have already been in his eternal purpose to be part of the church. That's why people who try to leave church, God never stops chasing them. He never stops chasing people. You can't run far enough to get away from God. You can't get away from mom's prayers, and you can't get away from messages you heard, and you can't get away from a church that's praying for it. You can't get away. God's presence is everywhere, and you can't run far enough or fast enough. Hallelujah. When he's put you, hallelujah, into his eternal purpose, his plan is for you to be part of it. And I, I, I purposed in my heart a long time ago, I'm going to be part of the church. Oh, lots of imperfections, lots of, lots of difficulties, and lots of trials. But let me tell you, the church is the only place to be. It's to be part of the church. It's part of his eternity manifested in its time. That's why it's only a matter of time before God brings you out of or through what you may be in. You're part of the church. He will bring you through. Verse 12, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence by the faith of him. Boldness and access with confidence. You can mark it down. Well, I don't know if God's going to see me through. You can be assured. You're part of the church. He'll see you through. You don't have to even question that. He will see you through. How? By the faith of him. We live by his faith. He's got it. He's got it all under control. Paul writes to the Galatians, and he says it this way in 2 and 20. I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh... I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul had an understanding of whether the deliverance happened here or there. He was going to remain part of the church. Yeah. The only thing still alive when Jesus went into the tomb was his spoken word. And nothing could change his word. Destroy this temple, and in three days, I will raise it up. The enemy was, he was an idiot. I mean, the spoken word had already been said. There was nothing that could change what had already been spoken. All things work together for good to them that love God and are called according to his purpose. The word is spoken. Make sure, absolutely make sure that you stay part of the church because everything's going to be okay. 
His word has already stated what is going to happen. John 2, 19, Jesus answered and said unto them, destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. 1 Corinthians 15, 17, and if Christ be not raised, your faith is in vain. This is what Paul says, 1 Corinthians 15 and 17. And if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain. You're yet in your sins. Paul's, <laughs> Paul's making it very clear. If this wasn't the case, then what's the point? No, it's been spoken. That's why when he resurrected the third day, I mean, it couldn't help but be the case. He had already said that that's what was going to happen. Thank the Lord for his word. Amen. Wherefore, I desire, verse 13, that ye faint not at my tribulations for you, which is your glory. Uh, Paul's talking about tribulation for the gospel's sake and how that brings glory to God and to his church. So even difficult things that you and I face your experience or your testimony, again, is to bring glory to his church. That's why uh, things that happen in people's lives and, and, and God brings people through and God heals and God fills people and changes people's lives and transforms situations or circumstances, those are testimonies of, of the church and what God has done for the church. Those bring glory to God. And Paul's saying, listen, the tribulation that happened to me, me getting through that is not about me. It's to bring glory to him. That's what he's saying. And then he says, for this cause, verse 14, I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He goes back to how he started the chapter in praying. And for this cause, Paul's in awe of the plan of God. Paul's in awe of the grace of God. Paul's in awe of the church of God. Paul's in awe of what he's part of. You can only imagine he's looking back and says, this is what my life used to be, but this is the journey God took me on. I am so thankful to be part of the church. And he's saying a lot of these things knowing that his life is short and that he's gonna, it's going to be coming to an end uh, shortly. But he is, he is bowing his knee in awe of what God has done in his life. Uh, amen. Because he gets to be part of the church. And I say to you, the church doesn't owe me anything. I owe the church everything. And when that gets messed up, then we have false expectations. Church doesn't owe me anything. Church is going to be here. The church is going to be growing. The church is going to be expanding whether I am part of it or not. I owe the church everything. I owe God everything for what he has done in my life. And he, and, he, and he kind of emphasizes this in verse 15. Of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. The whole family. The church is bigger than, than St. John or Canada or North America. The church is way bigger than that. I mean, the church is, is, is bigger than, than the past and it's bigger than the future. I mean, you, you take what has happened in the past, the present, and the future, and it's hard to, 
hard to comprehend how great the church is. The saints of old, the apostles and prophets of the Old Testament, you and I in 2022, um, remember, you're not worshiping alone. This is way bigger than you or I. This church that God is building is way beyond how we, what we could ever think. That's why the writer of Hebrews in chapter 12, verse 1, wherefore seeing we are also compassed, or also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin with that so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. We've got a lot of people from the past, the present, and will be in the future that are witnesses to our, our lives and what God has done. Listen, nothing in this world should distract me or deter me from being part of the family, the church of God. Oh, God, help us. Help us, God. Help me not to have a, an, a, an attitude or a spirit. Or help me, God, not to get bitter. Or help me, God, not to get distracted by the things of, of the world. Help me, God, Lord, to keep my focus on what really matters. Because at the end, all that matters is that you are part of the church. Yeah. Let me reiterate. I'm not talking about Mission Point. I'm talking about the church of the living God, the redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Hallelujah. People who have repented of their sins, been baptized in His precious name, filled with the infilling of His Spirit, walking and, and communing with Him on a regular basis. Oh, God, I'm thankful to be part of the church. Mm. Um. God knows how to use what we do and say today to bless someone around the world in the future, next week. Um, because, again, the church is not just the past. The church is not just the present. So things that you say about what you're part of can be a blessing or a curse. The power of life and death is in the tongue. It's incredible. So I can speak, I can speak life just by the words that I say about the church. I expect the church to grow. I, church, I expect the church to expand. I expect the church to Gulf every nation of the world, every tribe and tongue. That's what the book of Revelation says. They're going to come from every corner. I expect the church to have every, everyone that desires to be part of the church to be part of the church. Why not? Speak, speak life into your family. Speak life into your kids. Speak life into your, into your parents or into your siblings. Speak life. Speak that you expect them to be part of the church. And if they have had a relationship with God in the past, you can be assured that God has never stopped chasing. Mm -mm. And he will never stop chasing. 
Hallelujah. You speak life about the church. Amen. Mm. Hallelujah. Verse 16, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. The inner man, not the inner child, the maturity of the church, that God would strengthen you and I to realize how powerful the church is, how great the church is, how much the church is or what the church is going to be. God would strengthen your lives, strengthen your thoughts, strengthen your mind. Amen. There, listen, there's enough things trying to, to tear everything down in your life. Let there be life spoken through your words to be strengthened in the inner man about the church, what you're part of. Thank God. Thank God. Uh, verse 17, we're almost done. That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. That's why you do it. That ye being rooted and grounded in life. Uh, the word dwell is to live in as a home. And I, I make this statement from not, time to time. I'm, I'm not interested in a visitation of God. I want a habitation of God. Amen. I don't want him just visiting. <laughs> Say, well, you know what? Just drop by. You got a, a few minutes, God, and then off to some other place. No, I want him, I want him habitating in my life. I want him, I want him to, to, to be in my life that I become rooted and grounded in love, rooted and grounded in love. Um, now, the last part of this chapter, he's, he's kind of highlighting some interesting uh, information here. So verse 18, I may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and the length and the depth and the height, and to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. I want you to notice what Paul's saying. Uh, he's talking about passeth knowledge greater than what you and I can figure out. And, uh, and I, you know, we get talking about that our love for God, we want that to grow, and we want our love for God to become greater than it's ever been. And, and that rightfully uh, needs to happen, happen in all of our lives. But what Paul is saying here is that you and I would become so rooted and grounded in the church that we would have an understanding of God's love that goes way beyond our knowledge. Yes, that you and I would love God, obviously. But to know the love of God, to have an understanding of his love. To experience what his grace really is. Paul's saying, become so rooted and grounded in the church that you can't help but have a greater knowledge of how great his love is. And he uses breadth and length and depth. He can't even explain it. 
He doesn't even have, a, he doesn't even have words to, to give an explanation of how great his love is. And he's trying. And he says, listen, if you just, if you would understand how powerful the church is in such a way that you would grasp a greater revelation of the love of God, it would transform and change our lives in a totally different fashion. See, we are determined by how people love us. And our ability to love others. And as great as that is, that is not comparable to God's love for you. I wish I could just get a glimpse of a greater revelation of how great his love is for you and I. Become so rooted and grounded in the church that it would come to a revelation in my life that what I am part of, it's not a club. It's not, it's not a group of people that meet however many times a week. No, no, no. This is, this is a, a, a body that you're part of that he grafted you into the vine. He purchased you with his own blood. He sealed you with his spirit. He wrote his, his laws upon your heart. Hallelujah. He filled you with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. This is a way beyond our comprehension that he would live inside of each of us. The love of God is beyond our common knowledge. That's what Paul's saying. Now unto him that is able... To do exceedingly or exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. Uh, English translators have tried, I mean they struggle to try to give a, an understanding. They use the words exceeding abundantly above all. It's kind of like... Maybe we would use the phrase over the top. <laughs> over the top. And those words don't even come close. Now unto him, the Lord, that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. According, that's a common word in Ephesians and we've spoke about it in multiple times, means harmony. First two chapters refer to it many times. But you'll notice here in, at the end of chapter 3 where we would come into harmony with God's power being part of the church. This is not some, well, you know, if you, if you do enough good things, you get to experience it. Now you're either in the church or you're not in the church. The power that worketh in us, he's exceeding abundantly wanting to do more than what you or I could ever ask or think. Oh, God, help us to see your love in a powerful dimension like we've never seen it before. Hallelujah. Paul ends this chapter 
ends this passage. And the writers have stopped the chapter here. Unto him be glory in the church by Je- or Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. Amen is absolutely, unequivocally. Uh, you can't argue with the statement that has an amen at the end. That's, that's, that's the end of it. That's, it's, I mean, it's settled. God's desire is for his glory to shine through his church, for his love to become greater than anything we have ever experienced before. Paul writes to the Corinthian church, 2 Corinthians 1 and 20, for all the promises of God in him are yea, and in him amen, unto the glory of God by us. He's just wanting uh, the church to bring glory to him like it has never brought glory to him before. Lifting him up and magnifying him. Uh, letting the power of his presence work in our lives on a continual basis. Oh God, help us to realize how privileged we are to be part of the church of the living God. Can I say to you tonight, you are what you eat. If you and I desire to find fault, not, not a problem. I mean, we'll, we'll come up with a list. It won't be with the church. It might be with people in the church. The church is built on Christ Jesus. If, if you and I come up with a list about the church, then we got a problem with the Lord. Most of our issues come with people in the church. And so you become what you eat. And I don't know about you, but I just want to talk and, and dwell on and focus on how great the church has been to me and how blessed and privileged I am to be part of the church of the living God. Thank you for joining us today. If you want more information, connect with us on our website at missionpoint.ca. God bless you.